Part three, section eleven of Swan's Way by Marcel Proust, translated by C. K. Scott Moncrief, eighteen eighty nine to nineteen thirty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part three, Swan in Love, section eleven. You'd need to pay me a lot of money before I'd let any of that lot set foot inside my house, Madame Verderon concluded gazing imperially down on swann she could scarcely have expected him to capitulate so completely as to echo the holy simplicity of the pianist's aunt who at once exclaimed to think of that now what surprises me is that they can get anybody to go near them i'm sure i should be afraid one can't be too careful how can people be so common as to go running after them but he might at least have replied like forcheville gad she's a duchess there are still plenty of people who are impressed by that sort of thing which would at least have permitted madame verderon the final retort and a lot of good may it do them instead of which swann merely smiled in a manner which showed quite clearly that he could not of course take such an absurd suggestion seriously monsieur verderon who was still casting furtive and intermittent glances at his wife could see with regret and could understand only too well that she was now inflamed with the passion of a grand inquisitor who cannot succeed in stamping out a heresy and so in the hope of bringing swann round to a retractation for the courage of one's opinions is always a form of calculating cowardice in the eyes of the other side he broke in tell us frankly now what you think of them yourself we shan't repeat it to them you may be sure to which swann answered why i'm not in the least afraid of the duchess if it is of the la tramouille that you're speaking i can assure you that everyone likes going to see her i don't go so far as to say that she's at all deep he pronounced the word as if it meant something ridiculous for his speech kept the traces of certain mental habits which the recent change in his life a rejuvenation illustrated by his passion for music had inclined him temporarily to discard so that at times he would actually state his views with considerable warmth but i am quite sincere when i say that she is intelligent while her husband is positively a bookworm they are charming people his explanation was terribly effective madame verderon now realized that this one state of unbelief would prevent her little nucleus from ever attaining to complete unanimity and was unable to restrain herself in her fury at the obstinacy of this wretch who could not see what anguish his words were causing her but cried aloud from the depths of her tortured heart you may think so if you wish but at least you need not say so to us it all depends upon what you call intelligence porcheville felt that it was his turn to be brilliant come now swann tell us what you mean by intelligence there cried odette that's one of the big things i beg him to tell me about and he never will oh but protested swann oh but nonsense said odette a water butt asked the doctor to you pursued forcheville does intelligence mean what they call clever talk you know the sort of people who worm their way into society finish your suite so that they can take your plate away said madame verderon sourly to Seignette, who was lost in thought and had stopped eating and then perhaps a little ashamed of her rudeness it doesn't matter take your time about it there's no hurry i only reminded you because of the others you know it keeps the servants back there is began brichot with a resonant smack upon every syllable 
a rather curious definition of intelligence by that pleasing old anarchist fenelon just listen to this madame verdurin rallied forcheville and the doctor he's going to give us fenelon's definition of intelligence that's interesting it's not often you get a chance of hearing that but brichot was keeping fenelon's definition until swann should have given his own swann remained silent and by this fresh act of recreancy spoiled the brilliant tournament of dialectic which madame verdurin was rejoicing at being able to offer to forcheville you see it's just the same as with me odette was peevish i'm not at all sorry to see that i'm not the only one he doesn't find quite up to his level these de la tromouise whom madame verdurin has exhibited to us as so little to be desired inquired brichot articulating vigorously are they by any chance descended from the couple whom that worthy old snob sevigne said she was delighted to know because it was so good for her peasants true the marquise had another reason which in her case probably came first for she was a thorough journalist at heart and always on the lookout for copy and in the journal which she used to send regularly to her daughter it was madame de la tramie kept well informed through all her grand connections who supplied the foreign politics oh dear no i'm quite sure they aren't the same family said madame verdurin desperately Sagnette, who ever since he had surrendered his untouched plate to the butler had been plunged once more in silent meditation emerged finally to tell them with a nervous laugh a story of how he had once dined with the duc de la tramouille the point of which was that the duc did not know that georges sand was the pseudonym of a woman swann who really liked Sagnette, felt bound to supply him with a few facts illustrative of the duc's culture which would prove that such ignorance on his part was literally impossible but suddenly he stopped short he had realized as he was speaking that Sagnette needed no proof but knew already that the story was untrue for the simple reason that he had at that moment invented it the worthy man suffered acutely from the verdurins always finding him so dull and as he was conscious of having been more than ordinarily morose this evening he had made up his mind that he would succeed in being amusing at least once before the end of dinner he surrendered so quickly looked so wretched at the sight of his castle in ruins and replied in so craven a tone to swann appealing to him not to persist in a refutation which was already superfluous all right all right anyhow even if i have made a mistake that's not a crime i hope the swan longed to be able to console him by insisting that the story was indubitably true and exquisitely funny the doctor who had been listening had an idea that it was the right moment to interject c'est non et vero but he was not quite certain of the words and was afraid of being caught out after dinner forcheville went up to the doctor she can't have been at all bad-looking madame verdurin anyhow she's a woman you can really talk to that's all i want of course she's getting a bit broad in the beam but madame de crecy there's a little woman who knows what's all right upon my word and soul you can see at a glance she's got the american eye that girl has we are speaking of madame de crecy he explained as monsieur verdurin joined them his pipe in his mouth i should say as a specimen of the female form i'd rather have it in my bed than a clap of thunder the words came tumbling from cotard who had for some time been waiting in vain until forcheville should pause for breath so that he might get in his hoary old joke a chance for which might not he feared come again if the conversation should take a different turn and he produced it now with that excessive spontaneity and confidence 
which may often be noticed attempting to cover up the coldness and the slight flutter of emotion inseparable from a prepared recitation forcheville knew and saw the joke and was thoroughly amused as for m verdurin he was unsparing of his merriment having recently discovered a way of expressing it by a symbol different from his wife's but equally simple and obvious scarcely had he begun the movement of head and shoulders of a man who was shaking with laughter than he would begin also to cough as though in laughing too violently he had swallowed a mouthful of smoke from his pipe and by keeping the pipe firmly in his mouth he could prolong indefinitely the dumb show of suffocation and hilarity so he and madame verdurin who at the other side of the room where the painter was telling her a story was shutting her eyes preparatory to flinging her face into her hands resembled two masks in a theatre each representing comedy but in a different way m verdurin had been wiser than he knew in not taking his pipe out of his mouth for cotard having occasion to leave the room for a moment murmured a witty euphemism which he had recently acquired and repeated now whenever he had to go to the place in question i must just go and see the duc de mal for a minute so drolly that m verdurin's cough began all over again now then take your pipe out of your mouth can't you see you'll choke if you try to bottle up your laughter like that counselled madame verdurin as she came round with a tray of liqueurs what a delightful man your husband is he has the wit of a dozen declared forcheville to madame cotard thank you thank you an old soldier like me can never say no to a drink Monsieur de forcheville thinks odette charming Monsieur verdurin told his wife why do you know she wants so much to meet you again some day at luncheon we must arrange it but don't on any account let swann hear about it he spoils everything don't you know i don't mean to say that you're not to come to dinner too of course we hope to see you very often now that the warm weather's coming we're going to have dinner out of doors whenever we can that won't bore you will it a quiet little dinner now and then in the bois splendid splendid that will be quite delightful aren't you going to do any work this evening i say she screamed suddenly to the little pianist seeing an opportunity for displaying before a newcomer of forcheville's importance at once her unfailing wit and her despotic power over the faithful Monsieur de forcheville was just going to say something dreadful about you madame cotard warned her husband as he reappeared in the room and he still following up the idea of forcheville's noble birth which had obsessed him all through dinner began again with i am treating a baroness just now baroness poopoo weren't there some poopoos in the crusades anyhow they've got a lake in pomerania that's ten times the size of the place de la concorde i am treating her for dry arthritis she's a charming woman madame verdurin knows her too i believe which enabled forcheville a moment later finding himself alone with madame cotard to complete his favourable verdict on her husband with he's an interesting man too you can see that he knows some good people gad but they get to know a lot of things those doctors you want me to play the phrase from the sonata for monsieur swann asked the pianist what the devil's that not the sonata snake i hope shouted monsieur de forcheville hoping to create an effect but dr cotard who had never heard this pun missed the point of it and imagined that monsieur de forcheville had made a mistake he dashed in boldly to correct it no no the word isn't serpent à sonate it's serpent en sonnette he explained in a tone at once zealous impatient and triumphant forcheville explained the joke to him the doctor blushed you'll admit it's not bad eh doctor 
Oh, I've known it for ages. Then they were silenced, heralded by the waving tremolo of the violin part, which formed a bristling bodyguard of sound two octaves above it, and, as in a mountainous country, against the seeming immobility of a vertically falling torrent, one may distinguish two hundred feet below the tiny form of a woman walking in the valley. The little phrase had just appeared, distant but graceful, protected by the long gradual unfurling of its transparent, incessant, and sonorous curtain. And Swan, in his heart of hearts, turned to it, spoke to it as to a confidant in the secret of his love as to a friend of odette who would assure him that he need pay no attention to this forcheville ah you've come too late madame verdurand greeted one of the faithful whose invitation had been only to look in after dinner we've been having a simply incomparable brichot you never heard such eloquence but he's gone isn't that so monsieur swann i believe it's the first time you've met him she went on to emphasize the fact that it was to her that swann owed the introduction isn't that so wasn't he delicious our brichot swann bowed politely no you weren't interested she asked dryly oh but i assure you i was quite enthralled he is perhaps a little too peremptory a little too jovial for my taste i should like to see him a little less confident at times a little more tolerant but one feels that he knows a great deal and on the whole he seems a very sound fellow the party broke up very late cottard's first words to his wife were i have rarely seen madame verdurand in such form as she was to-night what exactly is your madame verdurand a bit of a bad hat eh said forcheville to the painter to whom he had offered a lift odette watched his departure with regret she dared not refuse to let swann take her home but she was moody and irritable in the carriage and when he asked whether he might come in replied i suppose so with an impatient shrug of her shoulders when they had all gone madame verdurand said to her husband did you notice the way swann laughed such an idiotic laugh when we spoke about madame la tremouille she had remarked more than once how swann and forcheville suppressed the particle de before that lady's name never doubting that it was done on purpose to show that they were not afraid of a title she had made up her mind to imitate their arrogance but had not quite grasped what grammatical form it ought to take moreover the natural corruptness of her speech overcoming her implacable republicanism she still said instinctively the de la tremouise or rather by an abbreviation sanctified by the usage of music-hall singers and the writers of the captains beneath caricatures who elide the de the de la tremouise but she corrected herself at once to madame la tremouille the duchess as swann calls her she added ironically with a smile which proved that she was merely quoting and would not herself accept the least responsibility for a classification so puerile and absurd i don't mind saying that i thought him extremely stupid madame verdurand took it up he's not sincere he's a crafty customer always hovering between one side and the other he's always trying to run with the hare and hunt with the hounds what a difference between him and forcheville there at least you have a man who tells you straight out what he thinks either you agree with him or you don't not like the other fellow who's never definitely fish or fowl did you notice by the way that odette seemed all out for forcheville and i don't blame her either and then after all if swann tries to come the man of fashion over us the champion of distressed duchesses at any rate the other man has got a title he's always comte de forcheville he let the words slip delicately from his lips as though 
familiar with every page of the history of that dignity he were making a scrupulously exact estimate of its value in relation to others of the sort i don't mind saying madame verdurin went on that he saw fit to utter some most venomous and quite absurd insinuations against brichot naturally once he saw that brichot was popular in this house it was a way of hitting back at us of spoiling our party i know his sort the dear good friend of the family who pulls you all to pieces on the stairs as he's going away didn't i say so retorted her husband he's simply a failure a poor little wretch who goes through life mad with jealousy of anything that's at all big had the truth been known there was not one of the faithful who was not infinitely more malicious than swan but the others would all take the precaution of tempering their malice with obvious pleasantries with little sparks of emotion and cordiality while the least indication of reserve on swan's part undraped in any such conventional formula as of course i don't want to say anything to which he would have scorned to descend appeared to them a deliberate act of treachery there are certain original and distinguished authors in whom the least freedom of speech is thought revolting because they have not begun by flattering the public taste and serving up to it the commonplace expressions to which it is used it was by the same process that swan infuriated m verdurin in his case as in theirs it was the novelty of his language which led his audience to suspect the blackness of his designs end of part three section eleven recording by expatriate in bangor maine